Have you ever wanted to be the first to know if aliens really exist? Well, with Nebula, you can be! Nebula is the streaming service that's home to its Probably Not Aliens, as well as our YouTube channels. And the best part? All of our content goes up early on Nebula. So when we break first contact with E.T., you'll be the first to find out. That's right, you'll be able to listen to the next episode of this show before anyone else. Plus, we post bonus content that you won't find any other place. And the best part? By signing up for Nebula at nebula.tv slash probablynotaliens, you're directly supporting the show and both of us. So don't wait any longer. Join Nebula today and be the first to know if this time it really is aliens. play the game that basically acted as babysitter for the entire Zoomer generation. Yeah, that's not even a joke. Emily's told me before about how she was a babysitter for a kid and all that kid did was uh, sit, in, sit in their room and play Minecraft while she did nothing. She didn't even watch it because she didn't need to. Yeah. Have I played Minecraft is the question. Yes. Uh, when I was in college, these videos might still be public unless I privated them. We used to have a, Mi a, a Minecraft series on NerdSync, but they're, I'm almost positive I've privated them by now. So you can't promote them at the very end of this episode, Tristan. What you need to do now, because you yep. have now you have uh, given them existence, you need to make them unlisted. And we need to find a secret way for the page, the, 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 what's it called? The people on, uh, on nebula.tv slash probably not aliens to. They're not to good. get secret acts. Yeah, but that's the point. That's the fun. All right. All right. But yes, I've played Minecraft briefly back in the day of my college years. I'm mostly just like creative. I, I, the only thing I remember is I made a giant green lantern, like a very big green lantern um, from the comic books. But I made that in creative mode. I never really I played a little bit of survival, but it wasn't my favorite thing. OK, this is a video game podcast now. Yeah, also. No, this is my it's funny. It's two millennials talking about like the quintessential Zoomer game, because like, yeah, like Minecraft came out when I was also in college. I remember I was thinking I was maybe about uh, 23, 24 that around that when the game when the when it came out and sure. um i remember like my peak minecraft period was when it had not come out like it had like it came it officially went live i remember this yeah. because it came out the same day skyrim did on november 11th 2011 i remember that was like the 11 11 11 that was like the big that was minecraft getting its official 1.0 release and also the day that skyrim oh. came out and um that's fun then i must have played minecraft before then too because i because i played a friend of mine like years like a year or two prior what was telling me about this game called minecraft and he made me download it on um on my computer at the time there was a time the, the thing is that it officially came out on that day but it had a very yes. long beta life where it was sort of this little indie game that that people were getting into and oh that's I, awesome so theoretically i'm one i'm i'm in that indie scene crowd where i'm like i played minecraft before its initial release even though i didn't i played it for like maybe a couple hours and i was like i don't really get this yeah but i still did it yeah i so my my peak where i played minecraft a lot i remember that one of them uh -huh. was that uh when i went to mexico city i like 
like played it the entire flight on the way down on my little laptop. And I remember enjoying that quite a bit and like playing it a lot. And the thing is that like then I kind of stopped playing it because um, if anybody knows anything about me is that getting me to play video games or getting me to do it seems like today I, I, I'm getting like a I'm like a broken human because like getting me to do uh-huh. anything that is fun that people do to enjoy themselves I like just cannot bring myself to do like uh, we were talking a little bit about for the show the kind of stuff that we do to unwind and relax and I'm like if I had a night tonight I would watch a movie uh, that I started watching not because I'm like oh man I really want to watch a movie but because everyone was getting on my ass about not watching enough movies so I'm yep. watching a movie out of obligation and then finishing <laughs> like the most bleak and de- one of the most bleak and depressing novels I've ever read followed by uh, getting caught up on the backlog of it's probably not aliens um, vid- YouTube videos that I've that I haven't I haven't put up in a bit and then fun I- night Fun, fun night fun. evening for Tristan. We would all want to do the same thing. Yeah. Uh, but like the, the, but like Minecraft is one of, I actually really liked, it's funny because we came from different angles because I really create, like, I like the, the survival aspect of Minecraft. I like the collecting, even though when I was playing it the most, food wasn't a thing yet, but like getting the food, the armor, and like, you know, digging down and designing a mine so you can get your diamonds at the most efficient rate. And what always happens to me, because I always like, every once in a while, I'm like, ah, I should, I should, you know, I should call him, you know, um, somebody, I see uh-huh. somebody make something really cool and I'm like, I should call him. And I, I ring up Minecraft, <laughs> I boot it up. And then I'm like, uh-huh. I, I get in, I get my armor, I get my like, you know, iron armor. I get my, uh, my, my, my diamond pickaxe. I build like a stable house that protects me against pretty much everything that's there. And then I'm like, well, nice. Um, so what do I do now? <laughs> like, what do I like, do? Like, should I build something? Like everyone's like, you should build these like crazy machines you see on like, on like Twitter or, or not Twitter, but like on the YouTube and stuff like that. And I'm like, I yeah. guess I could do that. It just seems like, like, what would be the point is to like, to make more stuff so I can make more things. And like, I know there's like alchemy and magic and I guess there's a final boss you can beat. So I'm like, I guess I should. Stuff. Yeah, I, I need to maybe maybe somebody in the audience can give me help with this. I need to start a Minecraft game playthrough where there's yes. a point like where I have like a thing to do and suggest what I should actually do. OK, with Minecraft, because I, I like the I like surviving. I like yeah, I, I like um I like the I like building stuff, but I like building stuff more in like building hyper efficient mines or building like machines that auto harvest or things like that, rather than like, I'm going to make the enterprise or whatever. Uh, and I would love gotcha. to. And I'd love to like do all of that for some kind of end. And my guess is that someone's going to recommend a mod that probably like makes the game a whole lot more difficult to like, you know, fight your way through and stuff like that. And that might be. Oh, interesting. I was thinking the opposite where someone would recommend a mod that would make it easier to make things. Like I know there are mods that let you like copy paste big blocks of stuff to like, if you're building something, you can do it faster and things like that. But no, I think yours. Yeah. Cause you want, you want more of like a gameplay thing. Whereas like for me, I'm still in that. Like, I like, it's like, like it's like Lego. Yeah. It's like, it's like digital Lego. That's interesting. Did you play Animal Crossing at all? I did. I did play Animal Crossing at all, and I came to the exact same problem, which was I was wondering, um, yeah. I played it for a little bit until I realized that every single day was turning into a rote lists of tasks where I was going. My my main two goals were, one, because we only have one Switch in our house, trolling Kelly, my wife, because she had a nice pretty island, and so I just filled my corner of the island with like literal trash and tried to make it look Uh like an absolute garbage town. And then two was to like, 
um, like, you know, maximize the developing of all of the friends and like making sure that I could get all of the resources that you need. And then I was like obsessed with like making sure I can get everything that belongs in the museum so that I could like, cause there's like seasonality to it. So like making sure you uh, optimize getting all of those at the right time. So yes. At the end of the day, it was all for developing furniture for building out a thing. And I have never felt super engaged yeah. with like, I've never felt super engaged with games where like the point is where you can decorate your space and make it look like anything you want because i don't know for some reason that just does not push even though the fact that i consider myself a very creative person that doesn't that doesn't juice for me with video hey, games. that's okay i've never been into the sims but emily's been all about the she's she i mean that's like the game that she plays more than anything she doesn't play it every day but like there'll be stretches of time where she'll be like I'm going to sit here and play The Sims and I just don't get it. Is she aware that there is a new, there's a new Sims like game coming out that's made by the people who, or it's published at least by the same people who make Paradox games like um, Paradox Interactive, which makes the like hardcore history sim type strategy games. Um, Almost certainly she's aware. A game that's like it. And it's going to be like The Sims, except that uh, they're not going to like fill your shit with tons of like uh, D. DLC and it's like much more about simulationist stuff and really open for plugins and, and add-ons and stuff like that. And interesting. If she's not aware of this, I think it's called Life by You. It's in production now, but it feels like a thing that maybe she'd like. Well, I'll let her know. I was joking earlier when I said this was a video game podcast. Yeah, but but this is actually a podcast through it. Uh, but this yeah. is a podcast uh, called It's Probably Not Aliens, where we talk about ancient aliens, ancient astronaut theory, uh, pseudo history, pseudo archaeology, UFOs, UAPs, and an increasing list of things that are kind of just conspiracies all, and bad things, yeah. but in a science fiction-y type direction. They're, in the, they're all connected. They're all connected usually by the TV show Ancient Aliens, which we go through and sort of look at and uh, debunk some of their claims. So if they're talking about it, we're talking about it. And if they're not talking about it, but it interests us, we're still talking about it. That's how this podcast works. Uh, my name is Scott. I don't know anything. I don't know why we were talking about Minecraft and video games for so long. That was Tristan's idea. Maybe he'll Ooh, tell me. There's a point. Uh, my name is Tristan Johnson. I am your diamond pick uh, into the depths of Ooh. bad history and bad archaeology and such. That sounds good. Yeah. But today we are continuing. Uh, we've been uh, we've been delving through. Aha, delving through this delving, series like a mine. The, yeah. This um this episode of of ancient aliens that goes into the concept of under ground aliens and we are going into uh, a new place i think that we've never been to turkey before but we will definitely come back several times because there's a handful of is this season it's it's just about to be american thanksgiving here how can we not go to mid-december that's okay at the time of recording we have a week until american thanksgiving so my mind is already on turkey do you think people from turkey hate when people are like oh like the food like the bird turkey that people eat um probably just because probably. turks uh you know uh ha- you know turks are a very proud people but uh it's funny because um turkey in like the, the i think it's i think it's in like turkey in french is dind which is actually supposed to be like a reference to hindi and i'm pretty uh. sure that the word turkey in turkish is like is like hindi or something like that so they, they pass the buck on to someone else um <laughs> <laughs> but That's um funny. but yeah like um but turks 
Turkey has like Turkey is like an ancient land. It has been the host yeah. of several places. It's literally been the seat of the um of two of like the biggest empires in human history, the Romans and the Ottomans. And mm-hmm. is just like it, it's a, it's a very fascinating place and has been the host home of many bits of pseudo archaeology and pseudo history. And this is just our first time going there. Yeah, and and it sounds like the home of aliens, underground subterranean aliens. Yeah. So uh, first, though, we need to talk about people who don't live in Turkey, which was the ancient Zoroastrian Empire. So here's 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 what millions around the millions of people around the world believe. Millions of people. Yeah. Yes. Um, That Zoroastrian religion has a connection. uh, The Zoroastrian Empire has a connection through its uh, doctrines, like its official like canon and its like uh, its belief system Uh to a place called Darin Kuyu, which is this underground city in Mm -hmm. uh, in Turkey. That's that's the connection here. Um, is that it's underground and it's a they, it's a city that's got dug out of the ground. That's cool. That's why I did Minecraft. That's it. Um, I got you. I see. That's why we're talking about Minecraft. Are there cities underground in Minecraft? I mean, you could probably make it. You could probably make you one. Can and make also, make there's one. all those like dungeons and caves and stuff. Um, so according to this, Ahura Mazda, who's the chief god in the Zoroastrian faith, is said to have instructed followers to build an underground city to uh, survive a global ice age. Ooh. And they believe that this points to not only that Darin Kuyu is, uh, is this city, but that there are several cities all over the world, including in the Americas, that also reference doing this for this time, which implies that if it's an ice age, they are much, much older having their ties to the Pleistocene rather than like, you know, uh, the, the actual age of these things as we know them today. And that Ahura Mazda, the, the, the god of the Zoroastrian religion, is actually somebody who had some kind of knowledge about climatology yes. and all those things that would then... Knew the weather, could yeah. predict it. That sounds pretty powerful. So then, on, in the show, they, they speculate that Ahura Mazda was like this, was actually uh, this intelligent extraterrestrial force that tried to save the Ice Age humans by making them basically get into like fallout bunkers and uh, wait out the ah. Ice Age uh, and maybe even help them build places like Daring Kuyu. Yeah. Uh, and that it is, it is like, and, and either that it is, there's there's speculation that it was for the Ice Age, but there's also speculation that it was like a, fa- a literal fallout shelter because uh, there was going to be extraterrestrial battles or aerial bombardments that they had to get away from. And again, they make a, they make oh. a legend also, they make connections also that Native Americans also have legends about underground worlds and beings that suggests there's a link between these two stories and that there's also other underground cities that also could be linked to this and so that's what um that's what we're going to talk about today uh we're going to talk about daring kuyu the underground city this marvel of ancient engineering and Uh how and if this has any connection to hidden civilizations alien refuges or like native american mythical underground uh worlds that kind of stuff so just a quick quick clarification because i've not heard of this place is this a this is a real underground it's a real ass city right yeah it's it's okay, really it's, it's not really like cool in atlantis place. it's not like in atlantis where people are like it's a sunken city and, and we'll find it or whatever this is a real legitimate underground city yeah it's like one of the biggest tourist destinations in cappadocia which is a region in turkey that's awesome yeah that's so cool an underground city that's real that's awesome yeah and i can't wait to tell you all about it that's where we're gonna start i'm excited to learn more about it now that good. i know it's real good thing we have a podcast where i i just explain things to you <laughs> <laughs> that's great and i did start recording which is great which is yeah. excellent yeah the last time i when recorded I- a little bit earlier when we were talking about minecraft for a little bit too long but that's okay i'm sure we'll edit that out 
It's funny because we we recently, like two weeks ago, spent like four days uh, with each other, basically all day, every day. And yes, uh, we learned very quickly that our dynamic in real life is not dissimilar to the podcast, where it is a lot of me just <laughs> saying a lot of shit at you while you go interesting. <laughs> That's true. Uh, it is very much that I'm a very like introspective person where I like to just like hear what people are saying. And if I don't really have anything to add, I'll just be like, huh, neat. And I am the most quintessential extrovert who doesn't quite get people's social cues to shut up and loves to info dump. So it is a fun time. Yeah. My fa- can I tell you really quickly? We'll get into the topic. I might even edit this out. But my favorite part of that is we were also traveling with your parents, too. And like, I'm I'm very introverted. So I get like very exhausted when I spend time socializing. And at the end of like day one or two, uh, I like you, it was just like a lot of what you was just said, like you just like talking and like your parents talking, but it was a lot of hanging out with you and a lot of you talking at me and it was great. But then you were like, I was like, yeah, I'm just exhausted. Cause I just get exhausted with socializing. And you were like, yeah, my parents can be a lot. And I was like, mm, Tristan, it's not your parents. Yeah, buddy. Fair, yeah. Fair, fair, fair. <laughs> um, you know what? I, 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 I earned that. That is, that is a thing I am working on. I get it. Um, <laughs> It was great. I loved it. I loved every yeah. second of it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So let's talk about this. Uh, let's go to underground into Daring Kuyu. So here's a, here I want to tell you a little, I want to start off with a little bit of a story. So this place had been lost to history for a long time, right? Like we did not know that it existed. Um, and then, and I find like, just, just try to put yourself in this guy's situation. We go to Turkey in 1963. Uh, a local man in Cappadocia Ooh. is trying to renovate his house. Okay. Uh, and then digs behind a wall and finds a mysterious room. Huh, this is a weird room. Yes. And then as he, as he digs, he finds more rooms and more rooms and eventually archaeologists got involved. And what it Uh turns into is an 18 story deep underground city that probably could have held as many as 20,000 people within it at a certain point. This is, you know what I'm picturing? Did you ever see the movie? It came out, I think last year, Barbarian, the horror movie. No, I didn't see it. It's, there's a really funny moment where Justin Long is in it. And it, it's sort of similar to this where he's, he owns like an Airbnb and then he discovers there's like a secret tunnel system and like additional rooms that he didn't know about. Uh, and, Uh, Instead of being creeped out about it, he like Google's like, hey, could I increase the rent that people are paying? Because there's more square footage technically now. Like, it's just like a really funny comedic feat. And that's what I'm picturing now as I'm putting myself into this guy's shoes. I'm digging. I'm trying to, you know, renovate my home. I'm just like, ooh, there's some more rooms. Ooh, I bet that means, you know, this this will be good for guests. This will be good uh, if I ever want to rent the place out. More square footage. This is great. It's delightful for me. Oh, no, these archaeologists are here. They're ruining it. This is my home. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I don't know how that... I, I don't like, honestly, every time I hear the story of Darren Kuyu's discovery or rediscovery, I should say it, um, mm. they never, they, they never name or talk in too much detail about the guy who actually founded by renovating his house. But yeah, mm-hmm. I can imagine that, um, like, yeah, it's like, Hey, that's my house. You, just yeah. because I found, just because my house got expanded to an entire new city doesn't mean you can just take it away. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this, that this city is located, uh, in the, near the modern town of Darren Kuyu, which is in Nevesh 
Nevesheer. Nevesheer? Sorry, it's Turkish. So, okay. Nevesheer. Um, okay. Um, I'll, 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 I trust you. Nevesheer. Uh, okay, because the thing is, like, the H sound is weird in Turkish. And so I'm trying to, like, put that together anyways it's not uh, weird to them tristan i know i know i know it's 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 weird to my ears uh so yeah. anyways um they as they as they excavated they found this whole tunnel network and found this underground city uh it was fully formed during the byzantine era which was when this was the seat of basically the roman empire when it was greek orthodox and such and was mm. heavily used as a place for uh christian uh you know greek because like this is another this is another uh hidden history of this place is that a lot of today uh, that is turkey had a like pretty significant greek population and ah. it was and after world war one uh there was like a population exchange which is a really nice way of saying ethnic cleansing campaign between greece and Uh-oh. turkey where um the greeks basically kicked all of the turks out of greece and the turks kicked all the greeks out of turkey and they had to like swap so in this period there was a, a time where there were christians living in this area that had found themselves uh regularly attacked by arabs muslims during a period of warfare called the arab byzantine wars this roughly yeah. is in the period of the year 780 to 1180 ad so it's like th- like 400 year period basically mm-hmm. very early islam like um like you know like 780 like islam's only about 100 years old at that point so like these very are confusing early. dates these are confusing dates to say out loud because there it's it's 780 to 1180 ad so it's 780 ad to 1180 ad yeah true uh very some of those some of AD. those ad's are numbers some Here. of those ad's are letters let's 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 actually do the correct the correct uh thing and say 780 ce to 1180 ce um there so we go can use the common era instead of anno domine good enough um the year of our lord 780 so on top of that, the city had connections to another underground city called Kaimakli uh, through about eight or nine kilometers of tunnels. So like this is actually like like a huge find. Um, the artifacts in these underground settlements belong to what they guess is like the middle Byzantine period, which is between the fifth and 10th centuries, which fits with what we're saying here. And mm-hmm. it again is 18 stories deep. It contains wells, That's so chapels, much. stables, yeah. schools. Estimates show that it could have held up to 20,000 people inside. Dang, this place is big. Yeah. So uh, instead of just being like a fallout shelter to protect from Arab raiders, it also looks like it was a fully functional city at a certain point. It's just an underground city. Yeah. And today is, again, one of the biggest uh, tourist attractions in Cappadocia, which makes sense because like if I was in Cappadocia, this is the thing I'd want to go see. Mm -hmm. It's obviously also just a remarkable piece of engineering. Uh, It has ventilation systems because, you know, you can't really have 20,000 people underground without having very sophisticated systems to make sure that fresh air gets in and you got to bad air gets make sure out. people breathe yeah yeah because like carbon dioxide buildups because carbon dioxide is heavier than than regular air so you have to find a way to get the and carbon dioxide like, out of the hole and new oxygen in that's true and it's like well you could have plants but then the plants need light too exactly so, so it's very complicated when you think about it mm-hmm 
and water systems. They had to have a whole system of wells, cisterns, and channels to make sure they could collect and distribute water throughout the city. So the reason why they were able to make something like this is because it's made from volcanic rock. And volcanic rock is very soft, very easy to to carve and craft through. You don't need a diamond pick for this. You can get away with probably stone or steel. Or that's my another more Minecraft thing. I don't have this anymore, but I used to have a ball of uh volcanic stone. I can't remember where I got it from, but I, I liked it a lot. It was very cool. It's very it's it is I don't know if it was just mine or if it's all of it, but it was very porous as well. Yeah. Yeah. And uh and and so it shows like yeah, it's very it's very soft rock. It's very easy to carve things out of. And so this is why it's really yes. easy to find caves and, and such. Um then wait, so does that mean it was in or near a volcano? Uh, or probably at some point. Like, the thing is that like um like Turkey is a very uh, tectonically active area. So if there isn't like active volcanoes, there definitely is like a lot of like, you know, uh, volcano like things. If you know that like the Eastern Mediterranean regularly gets earthquakes, Turkey very recently this year had a horrible earthquake. Yeah, and that's right. Usually that's where right. you find fault lines for um for earthquakes, you're going to find volcanoes or at least former volcanoes. That's fair. I thought it because it would have been even I mean, this place is already cool. It, how much cooler it would have been it's if like it their was volcano also, layer. <laughs> it is it, it is a volcano layer, an active city <laughs> volcano layer. That would be pretty cool. That's so cool. Um, so but yeah, like yeah, and it's and it's there's and even more clever things. Like the thing is that like building underground is super difficult. Again, dealing with water, both um getting it in and keeping it out. If you ever have to dig underground, you realize that a lot of the effort then turns into just pumping out all of the groundwater that you dig up. Also yeah. dealing with oxygen. How hard could it be? How hard hard could it be though elon musk is doing it to uh to a roaring success i would say no complaints about underground tunnels or anything like that everyone loves them and they're great and they're definitely not a safety hazard or a bad idea now i will say um the the sort of uh what's it called his like hyperloop stuff is very stupid the boring company uh also kind of stupid um but the concept of like uh like what he uses is these like um these earth boring machines that actually like um like other companies like he didn't invent them he just bought a bunch of them because they're used to make he hasn't he has not invented anything no he that's the he doesn't invent anything yeah he has like he has like some partial credit on some patent that has to do with like the tesla model 3 but honestly it's like yeah it's like almost nothing yeah um anyway he bought like this he he bought a bunch of these like boring machines that are designed to make like tunnels for things like underground driving and stuff like that and then had a kind of clever answer which is that um one of the things that those things have is that they end up with like a bunch of soil at the end and you don't know what to do with it and his plan was to turn it into bricks but i don't know how well that actually worked out but that was the concept oh yeah i think there was an episode of some more news about it where uh dr cody justin was like hey elon it really sounds like you're trying to say you want to sell dirt to poor people I don't know. I don't know if that's the best yeah. uh, way to phrase it, but that was years ago. But the, but those machines are really cool. Like I don't know if you've ever seen them, but they're like gi- they're almost like giant like machine like mechanical worms with like this flat front that like grinds. And you have to fill it with like clay and stuff like that so that it doesn't um, jam. But they're really cool machines and you use them to make like subway tunnels and anything. Anyways, um, cool. Uh, they Sorry. didn't have that, and so they had to like digging underground like you have to deal with the water thing you have to deal with the air thing because as i said carbon dioxide heavier than air so like very often in like say mines right like at the very deep parts of mines in like olden times you might have places where there's not enough air to breathe and you'll find like people who like suffocate at the bottom of these mines because the the co2 just like builds up at the bottom and they and they die and also there's so did like yeah 
everyone just like walked around on stilts. Was that the solution? Usually, you just got to be higher. Yeah, you have to make things. It's like the the, the 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 what's it called? The 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 tunnels have to be like extremely long and tall so you can get through them. So you can just walk on. T- you can float above the carbon dioxide. Yeah, that makes, makes sense, sense to me. me. God, why did we both say that at the same time? <laughs> yeah. The other thing is uh, actual structural integrity. Building underground is really hard. This is why we don't have lots of underground cities. You know, they require like it's difficult. If you were to build ten a ten story building versus a ten story like underground complex, the underground complex yeah. infinitely more expensive and difficult to make. Um, challenging. Yeah, especially because of um, just structural integrity. And uh, Darren Kuyu yeah. has all sorts of support columns and arches that distribute weight and uh, these circular patterns of carving out areas to prevent stress concentration, all meant to prevent cave-ins. So it's also clever in that sense. Very so, clever. So would, would that would the fact that the volcanic rock is like easy to carve and a little bit soft to my does that make would that have made it trickier or like because it feels like in my head that would have made it less like wouldn't be able to hold up as much weight above it and things like that. But I don't know. It's 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 much more it's it's much like less a thing about weight as it is about like shape and architecture. Like a lot of yeah. the sort of support beams that held up in a lot of mines were made of like wood. So you can like do that kind of stuff. It's and also That's using like true. arches and like sort of those and, and and designed to spread out stress. Yeah. Because basically all that happens is that you digging in the the, the rock uh, starts to create instabilities if you don't shape things correctly. Ah, so just more smart stuff. Mm-hmm. So that is that's like that's like the the marvel that is Daring Kuyu. It's a it's an absolute archaeological uh, marvel of engineering. Yes, there are some interesting mysteries too about Daring Kuyu. We actually don't know what it was temporarily like, what it was actually made for originally, and also yeah. who made them or when. Um, these are still question marks. Is it possible that they just thought it would be cool maybe that's a lot of work for something that's cool and there are way easier ways to build homes and things like that and also this is a place that gets earthquakes so it's not exactly the safest place to also uh, i didn't say it would be better i said it would be cool (laughs) i mean the coolness factor usually doesn't show up a whole lot in archaeological discussions, but it is really cool. So there is that it aspect is cool. to it. Um, so, but the idea is that like, because of the, the Byzantines definitely greatly expanded it and really made it more sophisticated, but it's definitely, there are signs that it is not the original creators and some archaeological, uh, some archaeologists speculate that the oldest parts of it might have, might be as old as uh, 4,000 years old, uh, dug by Hittites, who are the people who lived in that time. More oh, uh, wow. cons- more conservative people believe that it might be the Phrygians, the Phrygians, sorry, who existed there around this around maybe 2,700 years ago. Okay. But then, so just like we just, yeah, we did, there's so much we don't know about. We don't even know who did it. Yeah. And even more local, like even more conservative archaeologists would argue that um, Christians built the city even as late as the first centuries of the common era so like you know the first and second like like the years like you know where the the years still had double digits and stuff like that yeah but then what we do know the most about is the byzantine uh like the sort of greek orthodox or or at least like you know greek christians who uh expanded and turned it into a full-ass city uh using it as protections against uh muslim arabs during the the arab byzantine wars and again from like the 8th to 12th century gotcha and that further times as this region became more and more Muslim majority, uh, Chris, early Christians would use these tunnels to escape persecution when they were being raided by the Umayyad and Abbasid caliphates, um, which hmm. are basically like 
the Umayyads and the Abbasids are like um, early Islamic Empire uh, dynasties, basically. Gotcha. Yeah. Lots of history today. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, when it wasn't being used as a place to uh, hide from raiders, the Byz- in the Byzantine era, there's also evidence that it was likely used to store goods. So it was also just like an underground storage area. Ah, it's just like a little underground shed. Yeah, storage it's like your unit. basement. Like everyone's basement. Yeah. It's slowly, well, your basement is where you work. You know how your basement can fit 20,000 people in it? Mine can. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Can I? That's... You gotta look at why don't why don't you just, why are you in this one little room filming? You could have a whole city to film in down down in your basement. No Wi-Fi though. Oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, I need to get some of those like expanders. But you know how power is an issue in my house. Well, that's, so. And that's what they don't talk about back in this back in Darren Kuyu either. They didn't talk about how bad the Wi-Fi was. It's true. That's why they left. They're like they're well, the underground the here reason. hiding from raiders, but there's no Wi-Fi. My cell get my cell phone gets no reception down here. There's like how no- am I supposed to know if it's safe outside? Yeah. Yeah. Who am I going to text to find out if the um, if the 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 Abbasids had run away? Yeah, um, I'll do it. Yeah. Um, so the and, and the other thing too is the city was equipped with all sorts of amenities uh, with uh, that was available to anybody who lived on the surface. Again, I mean, other it, than Wi-Fi, as we yeah, discussed. other than Wi-Fi, yeah. uh, it did have like living quarters, air shafts, water channels, even shrines and churches. Um, the social organization probably also seemed to have a lot of hygiene because if you want to live in a cave, you have to live like ultra hygienically, or else the smells and like as you can imagine, yeah. Also, just like dealing with waste products and garbage and stuff like that if you don't deal with mm-hmm. that in an underground situation it can get way worse way faster yes i can imagine mm-hmm. uh yeah it gets smelly gets noxious yeah yeah gotta, gotta keep it clean down there it can it, to the point where it's like it could be literally dangerous if you don't uh deadly despite that they even had things that like uh we would think of as like real like uh things you wouldn't expect to find in a cave like churches uh livestock stalls uh wine cellars and even oh schools uh, they, you, I to be in the mind of like a cow it, yeah, underground, underground cow. This is not where I'm supposed to be. Why am I here? Why have they brought me here? Yeah, this is this is not there. This is not grass at all. No, where is the sun? <laughs> I don't know. It, just this like seasonal affective so disordered um, yeah. cows. <laughs> this night will never end. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like my. Uh, the, this is the other like uh, Minecraft was like the more accessible answer I'd went with because the game that is much more Tristan's jam would be Dwarf Fortress, which um, ah. actually Minecraft was inspired by, but is also one of the most uh, insane video games ever created. And it's also about like um, I, there's a lot of like in that game there's a lot of like having livestock underground, and I'm like, how do these chickens that have never seen the sun feel? <laughs> <laughs> I'll never know to be inside of their mind. Yeah. Uh, and also that uh, Darren Kuyu, like there is some evidence that it was definitely used to protect against raiders. Um, for example, mm-hmm. this is terrifying, but um, the inside, the, the like the entrance to the outside had large rolling stone doors and had uh, and every floor Ooh. had like these kind of like rolling stone uh, doors that could seal off any levels. So it was definitely like a like a security feature designed to protect against something. Yeah. Uh, it also had hidden passages and escape routes that allowed inhabitants to flee in case they were attacked. 
and uh-huh. um, and all of that stuff indicates that they definitely were see- dealing with significant threats and external forces. So basically, if you think about it, there was this village of Greek Christians that were regularly experiencing invasions or raids by uh, by specifically Arab Muslims, and yeah. they needed to find a place to regularly go to hide when they were being attacked. And so this place go shows under. that this was a very serious threat to the point where they dug an entire underground city, or more likely expanded on another underground city and turned it into a whole thing so that they could hide out. So, um, because like, this is a pretty long way to go. So the fact that they have all these security features and, uh, this much expansion and elaboration means they probably used it a lot. It's yeah, it, it definitely feels like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like the fact that it's like a whole city is so, it's so interesting to me. Cause if it started, I could imagine it starting as just like a safety thing. And then it's like, well, we're down here so much. We should just build all these other things. We should get a church down here and we should get some, some other stuff down here. And, and just like, you know, if we have to be here down here for a while, let's at least make it a little coat. Let's make it like the up, but down. Yeah. And apparently they even had like temporary graveyards and stuff like that to manage people who died down there. Um, cause like, it, cause I like, mean, you're already underground. Just leave them there. I guess that's yeah. where that's, that's where the bodies go. You can imagine that also when it comes to like, uh, like sanitation and stuff and health, like you can imagine that also would be quite a challenge. Um, because the, I, I guess that's why they were temporary, right? Yeah. You they, you'd, you'd have to like, not in this city, we got to put them somewhere else. Yeah. You just bury them above ground at some point because this was basically designed like if they were under like, like, uh, being under siege. So if they knew that, uh, Arabs were raiding the region, uh, before they could get to whatever town they were in, they would all move into the underground thing. And when the Arabs showed up at the town, they would find that it was empty and, uh, maybe didn't go looking for them. And then they were just prepared to like hide down there until, you know, maybe they'd send out scouts and see that the Arabs had moved on to another region and then they'd be able to come out again, which if you think about it could, could be a long time for like, how long is it until like the sort of raiders in your region have moved on? It's pretty intense. Then we also have to go into the other aspect of the claim, which is the stuff about Ahura Mazda and Zoroastrianism. So Mm -hmm. uh, I also have to probably just point out here that I have referenced several times on this podcast, and we'll get into this more in depth on a corrections episode in the future, that I referenced uh, in Zoroastrianism a concept of a character named Mithra, which is uh, not a Zoroastrian figure that's actually like a sort of Roman cult that started later, but the chief creator god of Zoroastrianism is Ahura Mazda. Um, and there is, uh, and, and so so you guys know, uh, Ahura Mazda is the supreme creator deity in a religion called Zoroastrianism, which mm-hmm. primarily traces traces its roots to ancient Persia, uh, Persia being basically modern day Iran. Um, gotcha. So the founder of Zoroastrianism was a man by the name of Zoroaster, who proclaimed that Ahura Mazda Makes was sense. the supreme creator, the creative and sustaining force of the universe through Asha, and that human beings are given a choice between supporting Ahura Mazda or not, making them ultimately responsible for their own choices. So like, um, basically like free will and choice is like a big part of Zoroastrianism. Uh, according huh. to their cosmology, Ahura Mazda made the ultimate triumph of good against uh against evil which was called the uh Angra Manyo. Um, and in a Zoroastrian text called the Vandidad, uh, there is a person named King Yima who builds an underground city on the orders of Ahura Mazda to protect his people from a long-lasting climate of ice. This is true. Um, oh. So is this Darren Kuyu? Is this Darren Kuyu? Is this aliens? Is this How a- did they have this knowledge of, of an ice... Ice Age, the well, movie. 
Well, okay. Yeah, they saw the movie, and that's how they got ready. Um, they were like, Ray Romano told me, I gotta get ready. Oh my god, I forgot he's in that. Is that is that gonna be Ray Romano's legacy? Everyone's gonna forget everyone loves Ray, and they're just gonna remember him <laughs> as the, the mammoth from the Ice Age movies. <laughs> I feel like anybody under 40 probably doesn't remember Everybody Loves Raymond, the sort of uh, C-plus sitcom from the late 90s, early 2000s. I can't say it out of out of out of that show and those movies. I can't name a a, a third Ray Romano thing. So he was a stand-up. That's probably it for a long time, but not one that people remember. Well, obviously, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. Anyway, yeah. So, is there any evidence that Darren Kuyu is connected to this this story, which would have been from the Zoroastrian Empire? Um. But there's I gotta know. The problem is that there's basically no evidence. Like this is again, uh, what would be called circumstantial evidence. This is okay. thing looks like a thing. This story looks yeah. like an uh, mentions an underground city and they Darren Kuyu is underground related. City. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the thing is that there's no real. Uh, you'd be surprised to know that there's no archaeological evidence that shows that the Zoroastrian what? Empire was in Cappadocia or that uh, extraterrestrials had any role in the construction of Darren Kuyu or that they would be necessary oh because it would. I be, am surprised to know that you're right. Yeah, it's 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 very true that. Um, we like have a pretty decent idea of how it was constructed. It was very clever, but it did not require anything um, very sophisticated or, or science fiction in order to, in order to make. But I feel like that's almost like a pedestrian claim by this point in the show, a hundred and something episodes. Yeah. yeah. People can totally have built that. Um, but like the, the big thing would be like the fact that um, the Zoroastrians weren't there that, that like, like Turkey and Iran do border each other, but like, you know, you'd have to be pretty far away from like the sort of homeland of the Zoroastrians to, uh, to really to, to, to take Darren Kuyu as like a big place uh, or as a place where this stuff happened. Gotcha. So these are like these feel like totally different groups of people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, totally different is a little, it's a little like they're, they're close. They they're just, they're different. Yes. They're, they are different. Yes. Yes. And there's also yeah. no evidence that like, um, that, you know, like there's not a ton of evidence that like, th- like that there was like the Zoroastrian empire. We have a very st- like solid idea of where it was and where they operated. And Cappadocia was not one of those places. No. Um, okay. Yes. So, so already off to a bad start. Yes. There's also this other part where they talk about uh, in the episode about how Native American mythology has this whole idea of there being underground worlds. And is that also Darren Kuyu? Like, is that also like these sort of underground cities of people hiding away oh. from bombardment? And, you know, there, like there is like a very superficial coincidental uh, similarity between Darren Kuyu and the legends of Native Americans, specifically that there are places underground that people live yeah. in. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Um, and then I had to look into like, well, what is this like Native American stuff? And I, I looked it up and it comes from like a various different national and tribal um, like understandings of the past. But basically that there are legends in Native American myth about um, underground worlds. And then when I looked into it, it sounded Ooh. literally nothing like what they're talking about. What they what, well, what, How it's conceived yeah. of the Native American myth is that there are vast networks of tunnels and chambers underneath the whole world that um that acted as oh. refuges during various times for natural disasters and hiding places from enemies the closest i can think of is the underdark from dungeons and dragons i was thinking that too. so it it felt like it felt like 
they're saying that these things naturally exist and they weren't like like the way that Darren Kui was built by people that they this idea the native american stuff is like these they've always been here these tunnels and these things and and we can use them to our advantage yeah so. it's like a legendary like land like an underground world yeah um but there's no details that imply that that has anything to do with Darren Kui there's no like there's no similarities except that underground <laughs> underground would you believe that on the planet Earth, multiple civilizations thought of the idea that there could be something under? Yeah, especially that's wild. The Earth, like you know, the Earth is full of cave systems that um, are very you know big and complicated and uh, dark and yeah. hard to explore. And you can imagine that many civilizations, if if they ever saw a like you know a cave system near them, that it'd be very easy to imagine because you know you can't really explore it all, especially if you don't have artificial light. That that there would be this whole it could go on forever. World. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's also like like Darren Kuyu is an underground city, but there are also others. Uh, we talked about Kaimakli, which is also in the Cappadocia region. It's actually pretty close to Darren Kuyu. Um, and again, probably built around the same time, probably for similar reasons. There's mm-hmm. also in South Australia, uh, Cooper Petty, which I'm also. This is also going to be a little bit of like a heartfelt send off uh two of my 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 two closest bestest best friends in uh in in town here my real life best friends recently moved to australia and so uh and we miss them dearly but also in southern australia uh cooper petty is an underground town that was built to escape the harsh desert climate uh, mm-hmm. a town that is known for having opal mines and is a tourist destination as well uh mm-hmm. Nure, uh which is in france is a underground city that was used as a hiding place during the hundred years war you're starting to uh, you might notice a, a pattern here about why people build these things um maybe for conflict and safety and wars yeah uh yeah. the hundred years war was of course a like 100 and something like i think it was like a 104 year old conflict that happened between france and england yeah uh, where basically the king of england believed that he had uh claims over parts of france and france was like no actually there's this whole complicated thing where like the king of england also was a duke in the french kingdom system and it led to like this series of conflicts and it ended with like it's complicated it ended with the british losing um or the english losing because of uh we love to see it we love to see it especially well, right here me america uh, me in america love to see it there is the downside of the british losing which is the french winning um but that's what all like uh, hey. that's what joan of arc was all about um was, was yeah it, uh it was rediscovered in the 19th century and is now a tourist destination uh in beijing underneath the streets of beijing there's an underground city that was built during the cold war as a shelter in case of a nuclear attack mm, all right more wartime yeah things. in fact actually most of the time if you look at various different underground cities you find that they tend to all be linked to things that aren't necessarily you know supernatural bombardment or cold wars but things like war natural disasters harsh yeah. weather conditions the earth will protect me mm-hmm. and like there are several times that this shows up and like yeah it's a reason why people do this and it's it's a it's a simple solution to a problem that everybody exp- uh, various problems that many people experience very much so yeah uh so i'm going to talk a little i have a little bit more to talk about when it comes to the people's and that they are trying to attribute this to but first would you like yes would you like a product um i'm feeling more in the mood for maybe a serve i could go either way product or service well let's play a little stinger music and talk about product or service do it (laughs) 
Oh, that was some good service. I loved it. That was great. Let's talk a little bit about Zoroastrianism. Uh, I think it's an uh, Zoroastrianism is another religion that becomes used fairly often by pseudo archaeologists because it is this mythical religion from the deep past that's associated with lots of ancient societies in like you know like uh, Mesopotamia and such that um, that often have their myths at- attributed to ancient aliens and yeah it's a it's it's a really interesting kind of like ancient faith that was uh, and also uh, very often gets brought out because um, a lot of the reason why there aren't a ton more Zoroastrians today is because of uh, basically they fell to Muslim invaders in like you know the early years of the Islamic Empire and so a lot of times it's also used out to make Muslims into punching bags which is you know uh, common time but like that. So, so Zoroastrianism has its dates all the way back to the 6th century BCE. So very, very old. Very uh, old. Older than Christianity, older than Islam. Older than you and me. Slightly. Barely. My yep. birthday is in uh, 11 days, so maybe slightly older than me. Oh. <laughs> I'm thinking about it a bit uh, as I turn the big old 3-5. Um, You're doing great. Yeah. <laughs> you look great. Thank you. Uh, Zoroastrianism is uh, a complex place, a complex religion that has this dualistic cosmology of good and evil. It sees things as uh, this sort of... Um, monotheistic idea that there is this uh this this god of good and this force of evil and that there and that you your job is to basically embrace good and conquer evil yes uh dualism i think is the big term that it comes up it really it teaches that the world is being fought over by two great powers the god of goodness honesty and truth and a god of evil deceit and lies cool um, I like that one. That one sounds rad. I like that God. Mm-hmm. And that also when you go to the afterlife, you are uh, weighed based on your balance of good and evil deeds to find out what, what happens to you. Um, oh. So if you do more good than bad, you're all square. Exactly. Uh, you Excellent. can start to see that also a lot of like Abrahamic religions might have taken some notes of inspiration from this. Uh, mm. Zoroastrianism exalts that uh, an uncreated and benevolent deity of wisdom known as Ahura Mazda, which translates to Lord of Wisdom, and uh, exalts them as a supreme being. There, But there's also a hierarchy of gods, deities, and other divine entities, um, but there's a consistent pattern. The more powerful the entity is, the more high in the position of hierarchy it is. So there's like this whole power hierarchy mm. of things. Gotcha. You're more powerful, you're higher up. Mm-hmm. You're cooler, yeah. you're better. Um, Zoroastrianism also has a high emphasis on individual and social responsibility. Uh, they have Ooh. the threefold path of Asha. I don't Asha. want responsibility, Tristan. Boo! Yeah, this is uh, what's it called? Uncle Ben's religion. Um, Boo! <laughs> But uh, the main thing at the core is something called the threefold path of Asha, which is basically living a life of good thoughts, good words, and good deeds. Uh, which okay. feels I, I I can roll with that. Um, I can roll with that. Yeah, and also a uh, and also a heavy emphasis on actions like spreading happiness, charity, and respecting the spiritual equality and duty of both men and women. So that there's, a, there's awesome. a there's do, a spiritual equality good, to men good. and women. Yeah. Yeah. It has its own mythology and cosmology and also includes an underground world as part of it. Um, Zoroastrianism uh, in the past acted as the spiritual justification for the expansion of the ancient Persian Empire, that there were many big kings that believed that they were the representatives on Earth of Ahura Mazda and that mm-hmm. the expansion of the empire would bring the final trump triumph of good over evil. So kings sponsored Zoroastrian temples, which were called ziggurats. 
and expanded the faith in at least uh, part because it supported them. Their priests, mm-hmm. which were called Magi, now you're starting to see where like all of like you can see like the stuff shows up in the Bible, like I'm the three Magi uh, or three, mm-hmm. which got turned into three wise men, but Magi three is the term yeah. for a Zoroastrian priest. Also, for all of you fantasy nerds, that's where like mage comes from. A mage is a ter- was a term for a Zoroastrian pri- uh, priest. Oh. Mm-hmm. So as you can probably guess, that Zoroastrianism was very influential over other religions that took notes from them. The big, it sounds like it, yeah. yeah. You can see that um, that Abrahamic faiths, um, because as um, when the Jews were in exile in the in in the Iron Age, they spent a bunch of time in the Persian Empire, and so Zoroastrianism uh-huh, uh-huh. definitely had its impact, and it had its impact on Christianity. Um, but even in more like recent ones, like like the Gnostics, which are a sort of sect or were a sect. I don't think there's really that many of them anymore. A sect of Christians mm-hmm. that believed a, a lot, like it was like Christian where like dualism was like a big deal where like god and satan were like two Mm. almost equal forces at war with each other over the fate of the world um that uh like that plays like a big part where they um like the monad and the uh, demiurge and like all sorts of crazy stuff um yeah there's also a branch of buddhism that definitely traces some inspiration to uh stuff that comes from zoroastrianism and also greek philosophy a lot of greek philosophy has influence from zoroastrian teachings as much as you know 300 and frank Miller might want to not admit there's a lot of influence that like the Persians and like, you know, Zoroastrianism and and, and the East had over um, over Greek philosophy. Mm, and yeah, can, it also means that it was all speaking in a similar language so that when when Islam showed up, Islam had had basically devoured the Zoroastrian religion largely. And so they also internalized a bunch of stuff from it, but then also internalized a bunch of stuff from Greek philosophy. And I've talked on the show many, 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 many times about how like the Islamic like law and and philosophy and religious scholarship is uh, heavily influenced yeah. by like Greek philosophy and such. Um, yeah. So today, though, like here's the here's the main thing is like it, I, it almost gets talked about in past tense, but Zoroastrianism but still exists. Um, it's still happening. Oftentimes, Zoroastrians today are called Parsis, and huh. they still exist primarily in Iran and India. But there are diaspora uh, Zoroastrian communities in the U.S., in Canada, and Australia, and the United Kingdom. It's, okay, it's gone under many changes and under many many different cultural and historical contexts. But their dualistic cosmology of good and evil within the framework of monotheism still exists. It still is at the core of their thing, and uh, still they believe in Ahura Mazda as the supreme being. Uh, one of the things that probably sticks out the most about them that they're probably most known for is that they have some very peculiar funerary practices. One of the main things that they have a lot of veneration for are like the prime four elements, like, you know, earth, fire, water, air. That Ooh, is, that, yes. that, all, that all comes from Zoroastrianism too. Um, oh, thank you. And they have a belief that um, it is like improper for when, uh, or at least they've, they've moved a lot on this because it's uh, pretty hard to do in cultures that don't accept it, but they have uh, sure. funerary practices where they do not want to, um, you know, sully any of these elements with the dead, which means that they can't bury them. They can't um, burn them and they can't like, you know, put them at sea or anything like that. So what they're most, they can't sh- shoot them in the air. They can't 
scatter them through the sky. Well, I was trying to think of what the air one could be. Yeah. Well, the one that they actually do, uh, or at least that they used to do, because uh, it's not really a common practice or a legal practice much anymore, was something called um, excarnation, or uh, okay. in their own language was called uh, dokamenshimi, or uh, what we probably more know today as sky burial. What this is, is when oh. you take a, a building that's called the Tower of Silence, and you would put the deceased on this structure where they would be exposed to the elements and basically allowed to be eaten by uh, scavengers, uh, specifically like birds and buzzards and stuff like that. Because yeah, then you know what? they would not contaminate Re- the dead. Return me to nature. That's what it's about. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I let, 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 let me nourish the earth with my, with my body. Yeah. I'm done with it. I don't need it anymore. Mm-hmm. Let other people have it. In more recent the days, have Zoroastrianism has adopted many of the funerary practices of the countries they live in. In India, where cremation is the norm, uh, they they tend to now uh, cremate their dead. In many countries, like in Canada, the U.S., and the U.K., they tend to bury their dead. Although some more observant have gone to some interesting uh, lengths, and one of the ones that is an interesting engineering thing is that there is a form of Zoroastrian cremation that is designed by putting them in a room that doesn't have any fire or putting them in like a sort of casket that doesn't have any fire but just gets so hot that they basically disintegrate really to ash hot. so it doesn't oh. contaminate the fire but it does um it does you know take care of their remains you get you get baked yeah basically, basically. you get baked yeah. so hot that you turn to basically ash that's that's kind of neat though yeah it's neat engineering yeah of like not not direct fire but we'll put you we'll bake you at at 400 degrees for a couple hours you'll be perfect 400 for yeah yeah um as far as i know though it's a that's a like it's one of those things where like that's a very intense uh technological solution for a religion that has somewhere between one and two hundred thousand followers in the whole world yes Um, not not necessarily a lot of people doing yeah not a hot market but as (laughs) um but there is some talk about this um these sort of this that specific type of way of cremation being uh a future way that we do cremations that don't involve uh, creating a whole lot of carbon dioxide waste and burning a bunch of fuel. So it could be a future of like an electric cremation that might help them out. That might uh, also follow their funerary practices. So that works. I dig it. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, And again, uh, there's Native American mythology that talks about legends of underground worlds. Uh, I'll go into this very briefly because I just want to get a little bit of juice on this, but um, many different nations bring this up about there being a vast network of places to go. Some mention that there is uh, a, it has that these places have their own animals and plants and people, but that their seasons are different down there. And um, oh, things like Lovelock Cave make a little bit more sense about strange people living in caves and such. Um, mm-hmm. And that there's often like the entrances to these underground worlds are often hidden and accessed by those who have special powers or are guided by spirits. And so that's like the that's like the big thing again. Uh, to kind of sum up, this is another situation where uh, what they're taking is one real life example of a common, a, a very amazing example, probably like the most elaborate example of people building these underground things to get away from some harsh things, then making a bunch of superficial connections with a bunch of other people who also had a concept of underground because we live in a world where caves are real. And then yeah. saying that, oh, well, they, obviously they could have only done it with super, with uh, with you know supernatural alien technology and that this has to do with the ice age and everything like that. I the only thing I wasn't able to find a good answer on today that is has a good explanation is I don't exactly know much about the um, Zoroastrian Ice Age story that they had about there being like this period of a climate of cold. But I can imagine just a cold snap and crop failures being part of 
that thing. Um, we also have yes. here a distortion of indigenous histories and beliefs, just taking a bunch of stuff, like especially of common punching bags like Zoroastrians and Native Americans and superficially glomming their, you know, cherished beliefs and, and myths onto uh we found an underground city, guys. <laughs> yeah. I'm I will admit I'm a little stuck on something you said a couple minutes ago about how some of the legends of the subterranean world have like, you know, they've got their own animals and plants and stuff like that, but with different seasons. I'm interpreting different seasons not to mean like like how, you know, you mentioned your friends in Australia. They've got different weather, like yeah, opposite weather there, to yeah. us. Yeah. I'm interpreting like what would a a drastically different season be that's not just like this one's hot this one's cold this one's mild like mm -hmm. i am imagining like yeah un underground down here we we got different seasons right now we're in the season where everything's a little squishy everything's purple and actually everything's things are, purple things being everything's a little squishy, a little squishy. Uh, there's a lot of countries a lot of places in the world where it's uh like tropical places where their seasons are basically the dry time and the wet time and that is a time, the dry time and the wet squishy. time in a couple months we're gonna get into the smelly season now you're gonna <laughs> want to hold your nose for that one. Oh boy yeah, you can see stuff like that. Like, um, like Ontario, I feel like has an entire fifth season we don't talk about, which is just called Wasp Hell because it's the time when yeah. the, the wasps are um, they're they're trying to like what's it called? Their queens have stopped giving them orders, and so they just try to find sugar wherever they can find it. And they become really aggressive and really uh, annoying. Wasps, Wasp Hell season. Yeah, it's right, it starts in August and it runs until about uh, October. Oh, well, you're out of it now. It sounds mm -hmm. well. Yeah, I feel like this this part uh th this feels pretty cut and dry basically what you were saying it just it feels like it is a typical one-two punch of ancient uh, of ancient aliens of just being like people people could have built this but nah it's probably aliens and then it's like what's our evidence for that well we're gonna take all of these different uh historical accounts and beliefs and we're gonna spin them to tell the thing that we want them to say yeah pretty classic ancient aliens classic ancient aliens fair doesn't make it any less harmful though yeah those little those little scoundrels over there and also i just felt also wanted to draw some attention to zoroastrianism and how it's a current religion that still exists today because i think that it's pretty cool yeah tell us and then tell, tell i gotta know about this about these different seasons i gotta know about squishy season yeah it's tell, a thing that i made up tweet at props not aliens on twitter or on blue sky and tell us your new seasons we need make new up seasons. a new season read read make the fifth season by nk jemison which literally has uh, a whole history of there being new seasons um the season Perfect. of acid the season of <laughs> yes um but uh, the season of self-indulgence. That yeah. one's that one's Ooh. I just do that. That's one. Just that Christmas sounds like time. a good one. Yeah, that sounds good, actually. Uh, and, uh, and also, yeah. um, I can't log into Blue Sky right now because I forgot which email I signed up for Blue Sky with. So um, I can't get a code for you guys right now. Wait, I bet I could get a code while I get a code for Blue Sky. Tristan, where can people find more of your stuff on? Uh, you can go to stepbackhistory.com uh, and check out my stuff. If this uh, this video is coming out in mid December. So if you want to check out uh, my latest video, it is on, uh, speaking of, we we're talking about indigenous Native American stuff today. Uh, it's on the land back movement, which which is a movement to uh, to somehow come to terms and right the wrongs of of Western colonization of the Americas and find a, a real solution that uh, in that encourages indigenous autonomy and acknowledges that they are the rightful owners of this continent we live on. Um, yeah. Do you have a, do you have a, do you have a code for us? I do have a code for us. 
Uh, I have a YouTube channel called Nerd Sync. It's whatever. But here's the Blue Sky code. If you want to join us on Blue Sky, the code is BSKY-Social-MNFSU-7LNL7. Nice. Free to a good home. Free That's to a good home. That's where you go. Scott, if I wanted to learn... Uh, I already plugged my thing. Shut no, up. Scott, if I wanted to learn... <laughs> why uh, Lois Lane was almost Superman's mom, where would I need to to find out that answer? Uh, You go to youtube.com slash google dot nerdsync. And that's my YouTube channel is nerdsync, N-E-R-D-S-Y-N-C. And I make videos about nerdy shit. And you you like that, you big, you big fucking nerds you like that anyway. have you ever have you ever done you should start a video where you just go straight dom dom scott i, like, I think i've you done like that i've done you I've like done what I, sim- <laughs> I have not done that but i have started a video I've, i think i've started at least a video aggressively where i'm They're, just like everyone shut up <laughs> you need to start one where you're like shirtless and you just got like a belt and you're just like all right we're gonna talk about all right you fucking nerds i know what you guys want <laughs> just like anyway. just like what's it called nega scott there you go <laughs> yes uh, if you want more of this podcast, guess what? You can get an episode early, mm-hmm. ad free, all that good stuff over at Nebula, nebula.tv slash probably not aliens. That's mm-hmm. where you can go. And it supports the show when you sign up. It helps us out so we can keep keep doing the this. lights on. Keep keep doing this. Keep making uh, BDSM jokes. <laughs> At the very end, the very end. when when most of you have stopped listening. Yep. Uh, thank you so much for everyone who writes reviews and leaves us feedback on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It's helpful, as well as telling your friends. We love it when you tell your friends. Tell your friends to skip to just this part where we hand out blue sky codes. It's and, true. And plug our other stuff. And a great place to send your friends is probsandaliens.com. That's the mm-hmm. website that has all the links to everything. Yep. Um, so go check it out. Yeah. I think that's everything. That I is always everything. forget that I start the end part. Yeah. That's everything. So until next time, my name is Scott Nicewander. I'm Tristan Johnson, and the truth is out there. Probably, 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 probably. Oh, it's like an echo. Yeah. I get it. I, I get jokes. I understand jokes. And I I just wanted to make sure everyone else got it. Mm-hmm. In case, you know, they grew up in a cave. <laughs>